Welcome to Crypto Talks, the podcast that features the early adopters of the blockchain and cryptocurrency world. It's me, Ani Alexander, and I will uncover the stories of the humans behind the crypto and introduce you to new and exciting blockchain projects. Are you ready for the journey down the rabbit hole? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crypto Talks podcast. It's me, Annie Alexander, and I'm very excited today because, as you can see, today it's not just two people on the screen. We have uh, a whole team with us. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to welcome the Sunt team. Welcome, guys. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll just start by saying uh, what you guys do. I'm sure many people heard what you're doing, but maybe they can't really put the name of the project with actually, you know, the, the big news that was around uh, just, uh, I don't know, what, what was it, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago? So um, let's introduce the project first and go from there. Sure. So Scent is a platform for creative income. Our mission has always been around helping creators take the value that they do, uh, largely digital, and turn that into something that is sustainable for them in the form of money. And to date, we've launched two products oriented around enabling that. The first is a community platform at beta.cent.co that allows anyone to come in and connect and engage in microtransactions among each other. And it's been really popular among the crypto art NFT community in particular. And then our second product is the Tweet Marketplace, which a lot of people have heard about recently. It enabled Jack Dorsey to sell his first tweet, a handful of other creators as well. Um, and it's been really inspiring to see uh, people determining that tweets do in fact have value and that there is just a lot of value in the what we're doing on these networks. And so those are the two aspects of scent and overarching vision of just enabling income. Okay, it's it's very interesting because uh, you know uh, I know that uh, monetizing passion is a big deal, especially now, and it's it's always been a very interesting aspect that uh, me as a creator have been interested in because I'm also a fiction author, so everything around that stuff has been um, has been uh, very attractive. And uh, until recently, the only thing that was kind of doing pretty well in, in that aspect, in, in actually empowering and helping uh, creators create pa uh, income was the platform Patreon. Up to now, uh, you know, that was the, the one that managed to create the environment where creators were feeling um, safe and, and cozy and uh, the tools kind of worked pretty well and, and they, they managed to grow really fast. Now with the, with the blockchain technology, it feels like we have um, uh, different solutions and more possibilities and the the creative uh, community is actually trying it out and experimenting a lot especially in the nft space so when when you look at it um i know that very often things that are related to blockchain have this um, issue of learning curve and you know people who are not in the space or not very techy have a problem of you know learning the whole thing and understanding how to approach this so how easy is your platform for creatives who are not very techy people <laughs> Someone want to take this? Uh, someone maybe less techy. I, I come from a very technical background, and so my answer will guaranteed be biased. Uh, so maybe I'm not the best person to answer. Okay, who wants to take it? Is it uh, 
okay, I'll, I'll just simplify the question in that case. Just how important it is to understand the technology in order to use your platform? Personally, I think it's not at all important to understand the technology to use the platform. I think that's what makes our platform great is that you, is that you, is that you don't have to understand bl 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 blockchain and minting and web three or whatever you know it's like all you have to do is connect to twitter connect a, a, a wallet and you're up and you can sell an nft okay that sounds great so um so i mean uh, it, it's really good why i asked this because many creatives actually kind of you know shy away from from these kind of spaces and nft kind of because they feel like maybe they are not techy enough and not able to use the you know these tools so you know if it's simple absolutely no you know no barriers there to entry in that sense i mean every one of us has twitter i'm i'm sure so um i mean wallets are not a big deal anymore more and more friendly wallets are coming into the market so it, sh it should be very easy so um so since you mentioned nfts let's just segue into the nft space i have a feeling that many people actually uh, because it's a buzzword and because there is so much hype around it and so much attention around NFTs, many people talk about it without actually understanding what it is. So when we talk about NFTs, and obviously, like, you know, we, we use all this terminology and we say, yeah, but NFT is a non-fungible token. In a simple words, what it actually is. So for the creator, for example, what it may represent. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of going on that last question too, which is, you know, not having to understand the technology so much. It's just ownership. The NFT is just kind of the certificate of ownership um, over a piece of digital content that currently hasn't been claimed. There's no ownership claimed on it other than by the platforms that distribute it. So it's basically proves that you own that digital uh, content or digital... Um, exactly. Work, basically. Okay, which means that, you know, if you look at from that perspective, any digital work, any digital creation can be become an NFT and can be sold on the platform, right? What, yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, it's interesting. From the NFT space, we have the crypto art aspect, we have the, the you know, the music aspect, we have like some videos that are happening in, in the space. Uh, but tweets are pretty unique kind of, you know, idea because like, how did you come with the idea of actually creating a marketplace where people would, would sell and buy tweets? I think a lot of it is inspired by the original vision to create a network that monetizes all of these actions that we already do. And so that network really became a hub for a lot of the NFT people. Uh, mm -hmm. when they released work, they'd announce it on our pot, on our product. And it was a great way for fans and artists to connect. And so for mm -hmm. us, um, we were looking for a monetization solution and we were experimenting with microtransactions and all of a sudden everyone was like, NFTs are the way. And so we just had the thought, well, we think that, you know, it's not just about a piece of artwork that you've been working on for a couple of years. It's, it's about everything. It's about your thoughts of the day. And, um, Twitter is like the perfect example of it's the micro blog. It's very short, but has high impact. And we wanted to test a hypothesis that fans, audiences thought that that content was valuable. 
And it proved to be true because, you know, fans are going out of their way. They're not just liking and they're not just commenting. Uh, they're taking this new action, which is collecting as a way of expressing their fandom and getting closer to the experience. Okay, it's interesting. It's 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 a nice idea. I'm I'm you know uh, it's nice you mentioned experimenting because I think I mean d did you think that it was going to work? Did you predict such a success in advance, or it was just an experiment for you? Like how, what was like the mindset when you were approaching it? Was it just a project just to play with at the moment and see what happens, or you kind of felt the market and you knew that there was this pressing need for it? I mean, we're a startup, so we have sort of limited shots that we can take. And so we were definitely in the camp of like, this is for sure an experiment. We don't know if it's going to work, but we think that there's a high probability that it could work. We don't know, though. I will say one of the examples that really paved the way for this type of validation is a project called CryptoPunks. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Yes, the, yes, the really OG avatars that looked like they were made in the 90s on a blockchain. Um, and what we saw with CryptoPunks is that it was mostly a forgotten about project, but the way that they were able to make a comeback and really move up in terms of the social consciousness is through a platform like Twitter. Everyone started setting it as their avatar. And mm -hmm. so we instantly knew that part of the value is just in the distribution that's happening on these platforms and the exposure, yeah. and that this could be an alternative to attention-based, ad-based uh, economics. Okay, so so would you agree that, uh, you know, NFT uh, NFT's best distribution channel and audience is sitting on Twitter at the moment? In in terms of social media, like, of, uh, you know, among the NFT audience, is, is Twitter the most popular social media channel that they are I, using? I think it's probably the largest. Um, but this, the entire space is much larger than Twitter in my mind. The, the tricky part is it's fragmented, right? You have Discord servers, you have Scent, you have all of these little Telegram groups, you have all these communities popping up. And that's part of the beauty of it is that, you know, you go in the rabbit hole, but it's not like one big concourse. It's many little paths that you can take and communities that you can find and relationships that you can form. And I think that's what makes it special is that um, there's this sense of discovery beyond just Twitter. I think Twitter is probably like, like, you know, it's a funnel, but it's not the only one. Okay, got it. So it's always interesting, like, I'm sure like the first things, like the historical moments in a startup or, you know, in, in, in art or whatever is, is something that you will remember and is, is, is quite impressive. So, um, on your platform, uh, do you remember which was the very first tweet that you guys sold or bought, or like you know which was the, the that historical first transaction, and what was it about? Yeah, so we launched in December, and I I, I own the first tweet that was minted, um, not Jack's tweet, but the first tweet that was minted on our platform, and it's and it's from. Uh, a crypto investor in the space, his name is Nick Tomano, and his fund is One Confirmation. And it was one of the first times that I had seen uh, an investor really tweet about crypto art and what was happening. And he tweeted mm -hmm. out a blog post uh, that was about Pack, Marat Pack, the artist who is like pretty prominent in the in the rare digital art space. And to me, that was significant because it was like, okay. 
like like the deep pockets are starting to realize that there's this new creative economy happening and that there's an investment uh opportunity because it's going to explode and so mm -hmm. that, I, I made an offer on that tweet he accepted it and that's kind of the first one that's been minted uh, and so it has special significance to me and I probably will never sell it. <laughs> um, okay, got it. So so basically the way it works is you make the offers, you make the deal, and only then the tweet is being minted and turned into NFT, not beforehand. You don't create the NFT and then sell it, right? So you can, the creator can choose to mint it to their gallery, but absent mm -hmm. that, um, when they accept an offer, part of the accept process is signing the tweet using their MetaMask and having it get minted, yeah. Okay, got it. But, and it's it's good because it, it from the logical perspective, it, it looks like, you know, print on demand for the books, for example. You don't have to, to occur costs, uh, especially now that gas fees are, are so high and minting is, is not, you know, specifically very uh, cheap uh, process without knowing if it's going to be sold or not, right? Well, actually, so our approach has been to use a more economical and sustainable layer two solution for that. So we've partnered with uh, Polygon, formerly known as Matic. And so, okay. yeah, it, it's virtually zero cost uh, associated with minting. And so we're very happy wow. with that. Um, it enables our creators to mint without having to A, own crypto and B, like pay fees using that crypto up front. And so we think that that's pretty big for adoption. And so it really excites us to be able to not have to pay, you know, $30 per tweet uh, in some extreme cases. Yeah, that's, me. That, that's a huge part of what makes Scent so great is that mm -hmm. pretty much every, every other platform out there that I've, that, that, that I've experimented with and stuff, you have to have those upfront costs on debt. And yeah. A lot of creators don't like the, this isn't the economy where every creator can say, okay, I can pay a hundred dollars in gas fees for this one item that hopefully will sell. So I like us because it's no, if you have an item, put it up. That's it. <laughs> that is it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's beautiful because like, you know, for, for technical people who are from the field, I'm sure everyone knows how uh, painful the gas fees are at the moment, even for like, you know, the DeFi is suffering because of that. NFT's market is suffering because of that. And it feels like, you know, it's creating this barrier to entry for many people exactly. who are, you know, creatives, who are not speculating, who are not trading and who are not about the money side of it, but they just want to to share whatever they've created with their audiences. So I think, you know, for, for people who are interested to check out the platform, so we already discovered two very big benefits. The first thing is you don't have to know about the tech and there is no learning curve. All you need to have is a Twitter account and a wallet. And the second thing is that, you know, you're not going to have all these crazy entry fees and minting fees. And um, it's basically way easier than, and, and way more kind of, you know, economically beneficial than I actually thought. So it, it sounds great. So I'm sure like everyone has in the space, at least everyone has read the, the news about uh, Jack Dorsey selling his uh, tweet, his very first tweet on the platform. What was it? Uh, 9.6 million was 2. the... 9. 
I mean, uh, NFT space is so crazy that any any figure for me is super credible and yeah. doesn't really it's possible. So, so yeah, so millions of dollars for one tweet, historical tweet, the very first one, understandable, but still like lots of money. So, tell me about the following. Um, Many people are trying to understand with this tweet, when, when a person buys the tweet. So let's say we've got Jack Dorsey's very first tweet. Uh, NFTs, you already said, is, is proving that you own that tweet. But what do you actually own? Like what happens, let's say, if the tweet is deleted or his account is no longer there or Twitter disappears? I mean, I don't know. Like what happens exactly? What do you own? Do you like... What was, you know, it paid for, <laughs> let's say. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. So it comes down to like, what is the certificate that you're buying and what does it include and where does it live? And so I guess backing up a sec, the creator of the tweet owns the copyright to the tweet. And what they're effectively doing is they're licensing it to Twitter to show on the Twitter platform. And so when a creator uses valuables, what they're doing is they're taking that content, which they have the copyright to, um, and they're agreeing to put it on a blockchain. And so the actual contents of the tweet, such as when it was posted, who it was posted by, the text, uh, and in the future, like the rich media associated with it, are all going to be enshrined in a permanent storage facility on chain and using, you know, IPFS, Arweave in the future. And so what you're buying lives outside of the Twitter platform. So that if Twitter were to go away or if your account were to get suspended or deleted, um, that's independent of Twitter at this point because it's between the creator and the buyer. And so that will continue to live on uh, beyond the, the lifespan of the account on the platform. Okay, got it. So, go ahead. Go I was going to add, um, purchasing a tweet certificate on, on valuables also establishes a relationship between the person who, who purchased it and the original creator. So like, even though anyone can go on twitter.com and sit and see Jack's first tweet, there's only one person who has a relationship with Jack in that tweet that I purchased from Jack. That is amazing. That's super cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting you mentioned relationship because I have a feeling that, you know, there is, yes, I mean, there is a big technology behind it and, and it's it's kind of the technology enables us to, to get to that level and, and to have these opportunities. But there is, I, I have a feeling like there is a lot of emotional um, element into this and, and probably part of the price is not so much like whatever you're getting rather than, you know, that emotional relationship kind of aspect of it. So probably like you're, you're, you're willing to pay way more for an artist that you want to support, that you've been following, that you really love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it feels like NFTs have this interesting balance between like underlying technology that it 
gets on the background and doesn't have like the frontline hero kind of you know spotlight in the story and it's more about the relationship between the creator and 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 uh, the buyer uh, the audiences of, of of the artist and and the possibility for the artist to actually get into the space right because i have a feeling that for example lots of the crypto art it wouldn't have a chance to get into a gallery because it's not like a popular art. It's not commercially viable art. It's not, you know, uh, an art that it's pretty niche. Some of the things are very niche, right? So they had to find an agent who would believe or like it. And then the agent had to negotiate with the galleries and all this stuff. And some of them would probably never really make it because they would never have the chance for these, you know, people who would appreciate their art to even see it. So I think there's, uh, you know, platforms like yours are, are giving this big chance for people to actually get exposure. Totally. Yeah, I think I, I think one of the one of the like most exciting things about the NFT space is that exactly what you're saying that it's kind of cutting out this middleman of of what we traditionally think is popular art. You know, where where you know if you see an artist in the museum, then you see him in the gallery, you're going to think of them as 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 big. But you know, in, at the end of the day, it's it's up to a very small, very privileged community of people who are basically deciding for the larger audience. You know, this is what's popular. This is what's what what should cost you know millions of dollars. And what NFTs are doing is, is kind of opening that up to all creators and then all buyers as well. You know, you don't have to, um, you can buy a tweet for $10. You can also buy, you know, another crypto, like uh, another NFT for, for much more. But it's, it's, it's kind of like lowering the, lowering the, the level, or lowering the, the, the gate of accessibility to kind of, um, you know, being a part of the creative space and supporting, um, you know, one of your favorite creators. Okay, sounds good. Do you guys have uh, many collaborations and co-creations in your like platform? Because NFTs also provide the possibility to have several creators in one N NFT, right? Uh, as authors or creators, like, do you do you have this? Uh, how do you feel like how collaborative and uh, you know creators are? How, how do they work together in this space? Like, are they more like siloed and doing their own thing, or are are they actually trying to get something together and and mint NFTs that are being like joint projects or something? In the space at large, there definitely is a lot of a lot of um, collaboration happening. I think the nature of our product that we offer is you know, one tweet from one account. Um, so it, it does put some restrictions on how collaboration can happen. I will say that we have seen some interesting cases of it still happening, even in that model. The one that uh, comes to mind is uh, there's a founder of a blockchain platform called Cardano. His name is Charles Hoskinson. And he has a very large audience. And there's this artist in Nigeria, and she drew this uh, a hand-painted photo of him, and which he thought it really resonated with him, it really connected. And so he quote tweeted it and said, I'm selling this and I will funnel the proceeds to the artist. And so that's an example of a collaboration happening in a non-obvious way. Um, yeah. Where you know he has the audience, she has the work, and you put two together. And it just makes for like a, a much larger sale. They raised, I think, over twenty thousand uh, dollars for the, for the sale of this as an NFT. And so, um, 
it's really inspiring to see kind of people coming up with their own use cases in terms of how they collaborate. Uh, because that, that, that differs from the traditional way of collaboration uh, where, you know, maybe two people are painting on the same canvas or something like mm -hmm. that. So now two people are composing tweets. And so I think there's a lot more that we'll see uh, of flavors like that. Okay, got it. I was more like thinking, I don't know, like if it's a, a certain hashtag and a Twitter chat and then people contribute mm -hmm. to it and then possibly you could sell the chat. I don't know. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not a techie person, so I'm just asking. <laughs> That's super interesting. Um, and, you know, another thing that comes to mind is tweet threats, right? Uh, a lot of times yeah. you'll have discussions between people um, and maybe that that whole set is like a collection that is sought after by yeah. someone. We'd love to see uh, instances of that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't a completely stupid idea. It theoretically can work. The cool thing about the whole space is pretty much any idea you can come up with, you're like, that's possible. Okay. You know, that could be interesting. <laughs> like, it, it's so open. It's so n n new. It has all these, these possibilities. And I think, I think, I think even if we have an intent of like what's supposed to happen with tweets and auctions and these high numbers, what's cooler is what actually happens in practice. So for instance, dad's awesome that Jack s s sold a tweet for two point however much m m million. But what's cool mm -hmm. to me is people who have like 20 followers on Twitter and are selling 10 tweets each for 10 bucks. That to me is awesome. It's like, you don't have to have a huge platform and a huge campaign and everything. It's like, if you have interesting content, there's people out there who are interested in it. And that's what's awesome. To me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, the interesting thing is like my backstory of getting into crypto, like I ended up working, I, I've been working professionally in the field since more than three years already, but I got into it completely accidentally. And and the way I got into it was by getting into Steemit and writing on Steemit platform and getting like Steam dollars without really understanding what it is and just, just uh, you know, falling down the rabbit hole. But the way I got into Steemit was I was introduced by a fellow writer by a friend writer who actually told me that he made $350,000 by posting his new novel into chapters on Stimit and then getting all these likes and, you know, cryptocurrency behind it and all that stuff. Uh, so he, he didn't have huge audience. He, he wasn't a famous writer. He had few books on Amazon, but they were not bestsellers or whatever. And then he found this platform and he found the people who loved his writing and were following each chapter. And he, he, he made so much money just by being, you know, um, valued by by his readers yeah. so uh, you know when when we talk about tweet i mean I, I don't know like what would be the equivalent of kind of you know tweet storytelling using tweets or whatever but this is another thing that could be like you know potentially like there we had the possibilities of putting chapters because there was a longer form thing but here maybe it will be even like a new I don't know, new style of fiction or, you know, I don't know, uh, chopped down flesh fiction, for example, 200 word stories put into smaller tweets or whatever. So I think it's, uh, you know, um, there's lots of things that we could think and play with. And uh, I don't know, can you, since NFTs are multi-format, um, 
can you actually add, like if we're talking about storytelling, for example, right? Um, we can have the tweet as the text element of it, but can we also add like, I don't know, background music or, or a motion graphic on top? I mean, can, can it be a package of a multi-format something or it just needs to be the tweet? I, I think the beauty of uh, NFTs is that they are a Lego, they're composable, it's a building block. And so, it really comes down to the creator's intent and what tools are available for them. So I could really easily see a tool that is like, if you own a tweet, attach media to it, um, that complements it, like you're saying. And this could happen entirely outside of Twitter too. This could be its own separate experience that comes with the ownership of the, of the tweet as packaged by the creator. Do tools like that exist today? Uh, I think it's a little early, but I, I definitely, this is something that we've talked a lot about is, you know, how do we as a platform that is like connecting people and around the goal of like making income and, and bringing audiences together, enhance that experience even further. Um, I think one really interesting example is NBA Top Shot and what they've done with these moments that they're capturing. You get like six camera angles of a dunk and it's like a, a full screen, like immersive experience. and it really makes you feel um, like special and you're like a part of it in an elevated way. And I, I think that for us and for tweets, uh, there is that possibility and we just want to figure out what's the best way to execute on it. It's definitely possible though. Yeah, I, I was talking to one project that is in, in stealth mode still, but it's in, in NFT space. And it was an interesting discussion that you're not actually selling NFTs, you're selling pieces of emotions. Like what, you know, since you mentioned Top Shots, uh, it, it's basically that emotional layer, right? The, like you're, you're buying memories, you're buying emotions. Or, you know, if you haven't been on the game, you're buying this experience as if you were in there at, at the best seat out there sitting and watching it, right? So, so you know, I, I feel like experience-based NFTs, like that are revealing or bringing experiences and emotions, with with some kind of context behind it are are going to do really really well i mean i know that crypto art is the most popular one at the moment but i feel like crypto art is just the beginning and just the starting point because it was the very straightforward way to to nfts um, but there will be loads of different other kind of you know um, ways to play with them um and I don't know. Many people, like, there are so many skeptics about this, play, you know, uh, sphere, talking about the fact that it's, it's a bubble, it's inflated, crazy numbers, like, you know, Beeple with his, you know, uh, auction and this big, big amount, like millions and millions of dollars. Um, it's it's going to just, you know, get destroyed after a while because it's unnatural, et cetera, et cetera. Bitcoin had hundreds and hundreds of arbitraries written, like everyone was telling it's a bubble. I mean, we see what happens now. So what do you think about NFTs? Do you think that it's there is a hype element to it and that's why the price is, I mean, how, um, I don't know, like how um, realistic all these numbers are or is there an element of hype and kind of a little bit of uh, artificial added value to it at the moment? 
I mean, do you I, think a short yeah. piece is worth so much? Like, you know, or is there something? I don't know. Go ahead, Andre. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to always be this like initial moment of surprise and wow, this is cool new technology. Uh, anytime something new comes on the scene, everyone really gets excited about it as it, as it should be. The thing about NFTs is that it's it's like we said earlier, it's it's less of a gimmick and more of a concept and more of an introduction to a new way of uh, of relationships via via ownership of what you create. So I think that that's the here to stay. I think that that is going to kind of be long lasting, and people know now that oh, I can make money off the things that I'm already doing for free and the things that I enjoy doing if I post on whatever channel I want to post on. Yeah, I can really connect with people now, and I can. Um, they can show me that they support that. I think that that's, that's a concept that that's not going to go away. Okay. Yeah. Got it. But, uh, in terms of, uh, I don't know, like the, the whole, um, do you think it's going to stabilize because the, it, it feels like there's too much hype and kind of historical aspect mm -hmm. to it at the moment, right? Like there are many people who, who are not so much, involved in the space at all but they are kind of getting into this whole you know in the environment overall is very exciting and just attracts people who probably won't be around in in a year or two they are just there because right now it's it's very kind of exciting and interesting like do you think the space will mature and you know change its accent and flavor of this uh, historical side of it or uh, i don't know I think, I, I think what you're saying. Oh, sorry, go Lauren. No, okay. Go ahead. I, I, I think that what you're saying is that like there's a lot of talk about the price and the headline or the yeah. the information that's making headlines is like the sales. And I think that that is definitely designed for by the participants, uh, trying to get out like you know into into the broader broader consciousness of society. But I think to Andrew's point, um it will over like we are piggybacking off of the scarcity that is cryptocurrencies and and there is a notion of scarcity in terms of your ability to connect with the creator but nfts are actually about creating abundance it's about anything that you do being able to put control over it and, and choose how it gets monetized how it gets distributed uh because it is all under your control you own the asset and so i think that there's definitely like a funnel and there's a lot of energy trying to be shoved through like a relatively small hole right now which is why we're seeing this sort of back pressure and price explosion and competition but this is a pretty foundational technology for how we even like do anything on the internet and how our interactions and and the value that we create gets represented and that's everywhere right that's not like a drive-by you know run up run down obsolete mm -hmm. out of mind Type of shift that's a really long-term shift and it's going to take several years to get there um because it is such a new sort of internet-based primitive but it's here to stay um and so i welcome the the big news headlines of sales i think that it's it keeps things fun and exciting but really everyone who is like a like working in the space is really heads down on like working on the proliferation of this and uh, and the headlines are just kind of like the investor artifact and so i don't see them in conflict with each other 
Yeah. yeah, Lauren, you wanted to say something. Yeah, well. yeah, no, I was, I was just going to agree that there are totally people who are interested because of these high numbers and like the, 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 the novelty of it all. But I think what is going to sustain the industry and the space is that people are are building community. People are trying to build ways to own their own content and profit mm -hmm. off it. So if yeah. you approach it that way, I'm going to keep creating content, you know, to be supported. But then there are these people who are like, well, I just want to get one big, big auction off, you know, and then hop out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And, and I think it's, it's, it's beautiful to just, you know, have that possibility of, of uh, monetizing your audience and and kind of you know you and creating things and directly kind of accessing the the marketplace right away without like all these big uh issues uh i i think like the like the legacy or like the the traditional sort of um a uh, parallel that I can see is uh, it's very similar in terms of the story. It's very similar to Amazon's self-publishing, the Kindle, self, you know, Kindle self-publishing platform, where for the first time writers were able to just upload their formatted book, and and then you know people who would like it would would buy it on Amazon right away. So no literary agents, no publishing houses. You would get way more royalties than any anywhere else, even if you were published by a very famous publishing house etc and i remember when i was going to book fairs back then probably like about five years ago um we had like a huge book fair in london yearly book fair uh, obviously like the whole space was was boots of, of publishing houses and literary agents etc and then there was like one the first experimental small like amazon's kindle direct publishing booth which was the most dynamic one because they had invited um, uh, self-published authors to to you know to have panel discussions and it was crowded because you know the readers were there and it was the most dynamic place right but I remember and we had badges like you know it, it said like you know Amazon self-published author or whatever I remember when we were walking through the boots of the publishing houses you know being self-published author made them think that you were like second class it was so interesting they were becoming defensive and and i feel like you know there are so many talks by artists right and galleries who don't get it yet who are getting this defensive thing or like oh my god like crypto punks look ugly or you know what is people creating it's not even art and whatever whatever right i feel like it's it's exactly the same kind of psychology and the same kind of reactions that we were getting back in the days when kindle direct publishing was just coming along um so uh so i guess it's a good sign because self-published authors are doing pretty well <laughs> i think it can also strengthen these other industries because what tends to happen digitally, for instance, on TikTok, right? It'll be a creator who's who's just killing it, making hilarious TikToks or awesome TikToks, whatever. And the comments are always always like, "I can't wait to, to, to I can't I can't wait until you have your own TV show." And so mm -hmm. these creators are trying to create content to get onto HBO or get onto ABC, and that's not even the place their content kick and thrive. So I think the the beauty of the NFT space is to meet the creators where they already are. 
Like if you're awesome on Instagram, if you're awesome on Twitter, if you're awesome on TikTok, wherever you are, that's the place that you should be supported and, and uplifted. It's not to get to have an agent at a publishing house or, you know, or whatever else. And so because of that, people can actually focus on their content and improve it. And we all get 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 better content out of it, I think. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. It's interesting you mentioned the other platforms because we kind of focused on Twitter because of the uh, Twitter platform. Uh, do you, uh, I mean, wh what about, uh, let's say there are creators who are creating on different platforms and not on Twitter. Do they have to come on Twitter to get involved or are you planning to get on, uh, I mean, can I mint my Instagram photo or um, how does that work? Yeah, so we're looking at other services that we could integrate with. We haven't made any public commitments yet, but that is definitely a part of our strategy as a company is uh, to, like Lauren was saying, like meet creators where they're at, uh, not ask them to sign up and post on a new platform necessarily in order to unlock the value. And so no commitments on any other platforms yet, but we are looking at the ones that you mentioned. Okay, yeah. sounds, sounds rocket, good. Rocket launch emoji. <laughs> yeah, to the moon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, how do you feel? Um, so, so, I mean, since since you launched, um, you obviously already have probably like regular content creators and and regular uh, consumers and buyers as well of your of your um, platforms on on your NFT. Are there any specific trends or topics or, you know, specific things that are more popular than the others? Anything that stands out or kind of, you know, um, anything that you could look in, in terms of trends or uh, commonalities or, or anything? I think one thing that we've seen is um, a handful of accounts that have been created for the specific purpose of just releasing what would be uh, like crypto art on another platform, releasing it through Twitter. And so like a channel, like a, okay. say it again, like a channel, a specific channel just for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's, it's not really, it's not the tradition. It's not the usual suspects in the crypto art space, but it is people who are interested in like, like they don't have a big audience. So they're starting from zero and they're creating a distribution. And as part of creating a distribution, they're also monetizing it. Um, oftentimes like Twitter has a very sort of, uh, square rendering of a, of a photo. And so they'll make their art designed specifically to fit into the, into the way that tweets get rendered. And so that's probably been the most sort of concerted effort on the creator side to really like use this tool. But we've seen a bunch of, uh, other, like many different use cases on the collector side. We've seen that a lot of collectors will go after like very early tweets by people. Right, like I don't know how they find them, but they go like several years back in the history, and they'll find like a tweet from 2006, or or maybe someone's first mention of Bitcoin um, back in like let's say the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the, those sort of historical artifacts also tend to speak to the collectors particularly well. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of, you know, those pivoting moments, those, those, you know, first tweets about something or like predictions way before and, you know, all these tweets about, I don't know, like there are so many emotional tweets of, of people who have launched their startups and became, you know, uh, unicorns who were rejected for a job 
somewhere and then you know they tweeted about it after the interview or something and then you see the same person later on like years later are you thinking just, of are you thinking of the whatsapp co-founder because that, that's exactly yeah, what i mean that, yeah there there was a series of 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 such tweets actually that there were several people like that and 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 you know it, it, people after i think after the whatsapp um story uh founder story people started digging and kind of following other founders and finding mm -hmm. few others as well mm -hmm. uh and and it's interesting because because it's kind of uh, it's not only about the tweet or their story. It's also about this emotional layer in terms of it also helps people understand that maybe the rejection they re received wasn't so bad or it wasn't really about them. And you know there are so many other aspects to to the same thing in terms of story that people resonate with. That I think you know um, there is a lot of things to 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 say. I'm gonna put. Um, I just realized we haven't uh, shown your website, so I'm putting it up <laughs> for for people to check it out because um, because uh, in in my audience there are loads of creatives uh, because I'm I'm part of different communities of obviously fiction authors, uh, self published authors, but also podcasters and live streamers. So I'm sure that you know all these kind of stuff is is very interesting to them and 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 I feel like do you feel like creatives are um kind of you know are, are more keen to experiment and try new things and uh um you know um and are more curious about this stuff than than other uh groups of people do, do you feel like you, you get a easier sort of adoption because they are more open to these kind of things no no <laughs> I, I think that creators are very sensitive about um like the everything that they create, right? It's it's their art. It, it's what they practice, and so, uh, you know, it doesn't help that blockchain is also. It can be pretty intimidating for a lot of people because there's so many unknowns. They don't know what they're getting themselves into, um, and so I think it's actually much harder for um, creators to really like want to experiment and and put themselves out there and, and see that you know. This is something that I can use uh, uh, when it isn't proven out, and there and maybe there's risks associated that they don't know about. Interesting, but but you mentioned something that I think kind of you know uh, diminishes the risk in a way, uh, which was that when you sell your NFT, you're not actually selling the copyright to your work, right? Which means totally. that that your work and the uh, the authorship and the copyright of the work is still yours so um i don't know i mean it's it's like uh it's it should reassure a little bit uh because it's it's not like you're giving it away and and you're just you know detaching yourself from the whole thing and your authorship is actually also minted in the nft so everyone knows that you were the one who created it right if we can get to that part of the discussion with uh, a lot of these more creative-minded people, then I think that it, that like they everyone loves that. Everyone loves that um, not only the copyright, but also that there's resale royalties if it gets traded uh, later on down the line, so you don't lose out on that upside if it sells for much more later on. That part is like like it is very creator-forward and like first. I think the hard part is just the hurdles of like. Like, I don't, I've heard so much about NFTs, they're killing the environment, it's a Ponzi scheme, and like, 
crypto has no shortage of scams. There's just so much bias to overcome uh, in order to get to the starting line. And I think that's the challenge that we face as an industry when we're trying to innovate uh, because, yeah, like I said, there's there's deep care about like what you sort of project as part of your brand and your association. And and for a lot of people, it's just, you know, it's it's a lot to accept um, at face value. Yeah, I, I can I can see that it's it's still early because it, the interesting thing is like we say that it's still early, but if you know you mentioned CryptoPunks uh, that that were I think they were meant they they were created even before the CryptoKitties, right? They were the first ones as far as I, I, I think I know, so. If I I'm think not, so. yeah. So they which were, was like NFTs were standardized. So yeah, like okay. yeah. So and and since then they were like many years, and it felt like the the crypto kitties were very popular, and many people who didn't even mm -hmm. know about blockchain so much they were playing it, and and it, it it had a pretty big adoption, and it was you know it had a big boom back then, and then we had this such a big pause until the other sort of new wave of NFTs becoming popular and talked about. So what happened in the space during those years? Like, because like from an outsider perspective, like there were crypto kitties, no one even had heard so much about crypto punks back then. And, and, and then now it's whatever we hear about at the moment. And in between, it feels like there was a big gap. What was happening? I mean, I'm sure you know about what was going on during that gap. <laughs> yeah, well, I think a lot of that was what we observed happening on the community side of Scent, which is that an organic movement was forming around creators experimenting really at the intersection of art and tech. Um, mm -hmm. There was no standards beside the NFT. So there was the NFT standard, but exactly like what you put in an NFT, uh, how it was sold, how it was resold, how it was marketed, like everyone was feeling it out. Um, Nifty Gateway wasn't around, Super Rare hadn't started, there, the marketplaces weren't there yet. And so it was really a grassroots uh, movement forming, which is the best type uh, in my mind. And so you didn't hear about it because there wasn't any sort of central point, any sort of central market that was really pushing it um, like CryptoKitties was. You know, CryptoKitties was a game in my mind. It still is a game. It, uh, you, it is, yeah. You can, you can breed these cats. There's obviously the aesthetic element to like what the cat looks like. But I remember when they first launched, they had things like price curves. And so you could try and snatch it up before someone else snatched it up at a certain price. And then you could breed them. And so it was, it was very, frankly, ahead of its time uh, in terms of like encumbering NFTs yeah. with capabilities. Like we're not even there yet today. <laughs> That's kind of like how far out they were thinking about it. Um, but really restoring or discovering that for creatives, this can be a primitive to connect with audience and monetize their work was something that had to be proven out by creators. And that's largely what happened over the ensuing years is, is just proving it out and getting to where we are today. Okay, so how can, uh, I mean, as me being representative of of creators, let's say, uh, how can we help the space develop faster? I mean, what can we do? Can can we help somehow? <laughs> Sell tweets. Okay, yeah, I mean, th that's what I'm nah, gonna do right away. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, I no, I'm, I'm already <laughs> thinking about different ideas how to how to shape this stuff for sure. So you'll see some things yeah. happening. I'm I'm just you know <laughs> it, it's still boiling in my head. But apart from that, like uh, I don't know, like uh, do, I mean, you mentioned that there is probably a need for I don't know explanations, uh, the right stories, uh, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely accessible. Um, really narrative-based content that shows people in a very human way kind of what's happening before we try and explain like the technology or anything like that. I think a lot of the representatives who are innovating in this space are very technical. Um, and a lot of the, the world, most of the world is, right? And so I think that there's a language barrier that needs to be overcome through um, content and storytelling that really, um, gets people up to speed and like are aware of kind of what's happening and how it can affect them. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, okay. I guess if we want to wrap it up a little bit, uh, I think we kind of covered like, do you want to talk about anything else that I've forgotten before I ask the last question? Oops. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of the live stream. Like, guys, it's it's raw and authentic, and it's real, like, life. <laughs> I know. I mean, that that light was blinding you earlier. I'm surprised. You, you yeah, know. I mean, the yeah. problem. I, I was trying to close the curtains, but unfortunately, I, I was far enough from this. I couldn't really, you know, get <laughs> to the did. thing to close it. So. <laughs> The damn live yeah. stream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's just. Uh, but but I think you know it's it. I don't know. I I feel like this has a a, a certain beauty towards it because uh you know over polished videos feel a bit artificial. I don't know. I mean, mm. apart from the fact that it takes so much time and effort to to post produce them first, you know. Uh, but also apart from that, I just feel like uh, you know it's a different style and it's it's just uh, different. So. I mean, we're, mm. we're just having non-formal non conversations. So for that, we don't need all this flesh stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not about, I don't know, the lighting. It's more about what we're talking about, I guess. I mean, hopefully, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just <Yeah>. felt bad. <laughs> but I'm glad that it's past now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything. If, if, you, if you guys have anything that you want to talk about. I love our platform. Okay. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I think it's amazing, and I, and I love how it how it empowers the creator. I think it's cool that in everything we do on the platform and and the the features we add, the the the, 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 the language we use is all about empowering creators. I think that's awesome. I think it's very powerful story. So. Um, your predictions, like how do you think this space is gonna, I, I know that it's very hard to give any predictions because the space is crazy and the speed mm. is like really uh, fast and things change every day and it's very hard to keep trace, uh, you know, uh, and I mean, I'm working in the DeFi space and it's it's, it's equally sort of, you know, fast and, and furious over there as well. But um, if, what's your version of like, what do you think is going to happen in the upcoming few years in this space? How, how do you imagine it? Your version? I guess what I think won't happen is that a Facebook style platform emerges that does everything 
just with NFTs. I think that we've seen the trend in the past couple of years that people like getting into people like fragmentation as much as it is an inefficiency and in like like a, a technical and entrepreneur sense. Like people like going into closed spaces and having intimate interactions. And we've seen that happen in Discord, Telegram, all of these different platforms and networks, groups. And I think that that trend will continue. And I think that NFTs, if we look at them as the basis for a relationship between a creator and their audience, uh, whether it's a fan, an investor, a collector, I, I think that that will be the gateway into certain experiences, certain communities, um, and that there won't be one single platform that powers them. It's going to be like a really diverse ecosystem of people really choosing what feels right for them. Uh, I think that that's part of the beauty of this movement is that it is interoperable. You don't have to be locked in uh, to any, any particular. And so I, I think that we'll see the great fragmentation kind of uh, <laughs> continue to continue yeah. to happen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think some something else we talk about is, is is kind of how big communities like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, what, what have you, are kind of seen as these walled gardens where where the content that you make on those platforms ultimately purely exists there, and there's no way of of kind of moving it around. And to Cameron's point of of fragmenting things, you know, I think NFTs are 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 the way to kind of unlock those walled gardens and, and break down the walls. And I yeah. think that'll continue to happen. Yeah, I think it's, uh, um, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that in this space, it's very hard to to imagine, uh, you know, a centralized one powerful platform that will take over mm -hmm. the whole thing because the, the whole philosophy of the, you know, of the technology behind it is about decentralization and is about kind of, you know, taking back ownership and control and, and uh, probably many creators will be moving to the NFT space because they don't want to depend on Facebook and, and YouTube because they don't want YouTube to decide and take out their mm. videos from the channel etc right so uh, mm. so i totally agree with you i think you know part part of the whole kind of concept behind it is actually getting the alternative better solution for mm. your uh, yeah. content creation platforms so um yeah i mean uh, i really appreciate the time guys uh, you spent with me uh, i learned a lot and now like every time i'm doing an in interview related to nfts i end up leaving with loads of random you know ideas in my head and um and they keep boiling and they're still <laughs> kind of you know um uh, just rotating in the head uh, nothing really structured enough to put into action but um but it's very exciting and and i really encourage everyone who uh who is creating um anything uh digitally just to check out the website v.send.co and and just check it out um, i'm sure it's gonna be even for an experiment uh, i think it's worth just you know mm -hmm. trying it out just feeling the whole kind of aura of the whole thing and and maybe you'll you'll see that it's something that is fitting your needs um plus uh, I, I think it's really cool like you know i mean how many people from from people you know around you could say that they have sold their tweet i mean <laughs> probably probably not many <laughs> be the first yeah, of course. I mean, why not? I mean, that that could be part of the differentiator for the creator as well, right? 
So why not? Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope our audience uh, enjoyed it too, and yours as well, because I'm, I'm sure your audience was watching too. Um, so have a nice uh, evening. Is it evening, day? It's 11 a.m. Afternoon. Oh, yeah. you're just <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's actually evening here. I mean, regardless the sun, which was very, yeah. you know, um, it's it's actually seven p.m. here. So um, the sun wasn't really um, forecasted. So uh, and it's London, so the sun wasn't really. Uh, yeah, you know. but it came out today. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's yeah. it's happening, right. Now. Okay, yeah. well, thank you Wonderful. very much. Take thank care. Right. I'll, I'll just stop uh, the live stream so we can catch up uh, without the audience. Uh, so they are curious about what we're going to talk after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. This was the Crypto Talks podcast brought to you by Annie Alexander. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for listening and we'll meet you in the next episode.